This is the Old Radio Show's podcast. Up or parole. Here again is another in the exciting crime series, Up for Parole. Authentic cases as actually presented before the parole boards in your state prisons, reenacted here for the first time. Tonight, transcribed, the case of Clinton Foster. Ladies and gentlemen, you are about to sit in judgment on another human being to decide whether he shall become your neighbor, your employee, perhaps your friend, or remain where you, society, have put him, behind prison bars. Therefore, listen carefully and consider seriously the story you are about to hear, told from the official records of Clinton Foster, prison case number S11623-9, now pleading before the parole board and before you for his freedom. State your name, please. S11623-9. Your name? Oh, oh, yes, sir. Clint Forster. What were the charges on which you were convicted? Robbery. Sentence? Five to ten years, sir. You pleaded guilty? Yes, sir. I... I stuck up the bank. I took the money. I... I was guilty. I... I did it like they said. You're ashamed of it? Yes, sir. I never did anything like that before. I was brought up to be honest and believe in God, and... There was nothing like that in my family ever. Clint, how much time have you served already? How long in this prison? Four and a half years. Son, what we want, if you can do it, is for you to tell this board why you did what you did. The way... The way you'd tell it to your father. I couldn't tell it to Pa. All right, someone you could tell it to then. Maybe the way you'll tell it to Aggie someday after it's all over and forgotten. Oh, Aggie got out about eight months ago, didn't she? That's right, sir. She made parole at the woman's prison last January. I see. Now, go ahead. Tell us what happened. Yes, sir. Well, well, I, I went into the bank that day that... Tuesday. But I told Aggie to stay outside in the car. We weren't married yet, but we were going to get married. I mean, we were going to as soon as we could. I, I had my shoes shined and my good suit on, and Aggie fixed my hair just before I went in. You talk nice to the men, Clint, because, you know, sometimes they ask you questions and say things and make you feel small and things like that. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm, I'm all right, I tell you. Don't, don't you worry about and it. And listen, don't smoke too much. You'll see you're nervous. Yeah. Is my, my tie all right? Come here, come here. I'll uh -huh. straighten it out. Your tie's fine. It's a small bank in Smithville. I mean, they don't even have a guard or anything like that. And I, I nodded to the fellow at the window where they give out the money. I didn't know him, but, you know, just... Just to be friendly, it sort of made me feel better. And then I, I sat down at Mr. Wakefield's desk. I, uh, I had to wait a little while because he had to finish up some papers. 
$400 is a great deal of money, young man. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I know, sir. I see that on your application for your loan, I note that you need this money for medical bills, repairs on the house, and other reasons. Where are they? Oh, for that that's some money Pa borrowed. Is it your house? No, sir, no, we, we rent it. How long have you been living there? Oh, this place, about about a year. Did you move a lot? Well, I, I mean, sir, we, 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 we had to, you, you know. My, my dad's not working, he's sick, it's his, it's his back. And Ma, Ever she, been she dispossessed? Been... Any judgments outstanding against you? No, sir. We we don't owe any rent money. I mean, just this month. I don't see it. I don't see it. Ordinarily, if there were some tangible assets, a small bank account, you haven't worked steadily on a job, I don't believe in... Uh... How long? Well, I, I'm three months with the trucking company. I don't see it. $400 is a lot of money. I'd work hard. I'd pay it back, sir. I, I'd meet all those payments. $22.75 for 20 months? Well, I, I'd work nights if I had to. What's your name again? Clint Foster. <laughs> My boy, if all the people who thought they were going to pay loans back paid their loans, <laughs> well, they'd never have to come borrowing in the first place. Why don't you try opening a small Christmas account? Money builds up that way. Two dollars a week, two years, you've got yourself two hundred dollars. Sorry about the loan. Call again. I got up real slow. I wasn't angry. And I walked past the fellow who gives out the money behind the little gate. And I took kind of a picture. In my mind, I mean. And then I walked out. He said no. Yeah. Well, that's... That's okay. Well, maybe the bank over in Johnston or, or Barsburg, Clint. Clint, you listening to me? He sits over there and the other fellow's over there. The fellow that gives out the money. That's all there is to it. Clint, no, you aren't going to do it. I went in there to get the money. I asked him to loan it to me. I told him I'd pay it back, and I would. Well, now I'm going to borrow it in my own way. You got the car all day? trouble, Clint. Look, do you have it or haven't you? Mr. Simpkins at the store, he said, why do you need the car? So I had to make up a story about how I'm going to go to Borisburg to visit my aunt. All right, all right, you got it. So stop crying. I, uh, I got a set of last year's license plates out of a trash pile. We'll stick them over the regular license plates on the car and they, they won't know who we are. But they do know you. They know me. You were sitting with Mr. Wakefield just yesterday. He saw you talk to him. He ain't going to see my face. He ain't going to even hear me talk either. He ain't going to know who it is. He knows me. Now, you're, you're going to be sitting in the car and you... You'll, you'll have a hat on your head. I suppose it does. You want us to get kicked out of the house? We haven't got a place to live in? You want Pa to die? He stays up all night crying about his back. Yeah, he cries. I hear him all the time. I don't want my ma with her hands in the water. She can't do any more washing. What do you want me to say? I don't like it. It frightens Look, me. Look, Aggie. You don't have to hit anybody. You don't have to shoot anybody. You just go in and say, this is a stick-up. And they, they pushed the money over to her. How do you know somebody might not just walk in just then? Didn't I stand outside that bank a whole week, go inside, look it over, watch all the times the people came in and out? Nobody goes in there after 2.30. Nobody. Clint, if we're wrong, It's what... going to work, Aggie. Now, when I go in, you'll sit in the car and... 
have the motor running. And then at, at 2.30, there's a stick-up. That's all there is to it. Oh, gosh, Aggie, if I can't count on you, then... Okay. Okay, Clint, if that's what you want, we'll do it together. We drove around. Just drove around to, to do something to, to keep from, from feeling the way I was feeling. And then 2.30 finally came. Aggie parked the car in a corner across the street from the bank. She kept the motor running. Was headed out Route 90, where there's almost never a cop, toward Collierville. I had my hat down over my eyes, and I, I started for the bank. It was empty, just like I thought. Yes, sir? This is a stick-up. Don't try anything funny. Just push over the cash. Yes, sir. I, and no I... talk. It was the easiest thing in the world. I, I got the money into the bag, and I went around and tied up the teller's hands and Wakefield's hands and legs, and I, I stuffed a handkerchief in their mouths and put another handkerchief around it on the outside so they couldn't call out. And then I walked out to the car. Aggie, slow down. Drive real slow. To drive fast, maybe a cop will see you. So drive slow. You got the money? Yeah, yeah, a lot of money. Keep it down below 30. At all planned. Except. Huh. What? Well, what's the matter? She's heated up the temperature gauge is way over. Well, we just can't sit here. Let me see. Pull that thing over to open the hood. Yeah. All right. Throw me a rag. Here. Oh, gosh, this thing is boiling Watch over. Watch out when you open it. Don't you think I looked at a radiator before? Oh, I told you to be careful. It didn't hurt. Oh, we're out of water. Oh, where do we get water around here? We gotta get out of here. Somebody's gonna go to the bank and then they'll, 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 they'll get out of those ropes and the police will be coming oh, soon. I told you not to. Oh, who told you to get a rotten car like this? Why didn't you get a car yourself? Why don't you just shut up? Hey, Aggie, look. Look, look. look, there's a car coming. Look, you ask don't me... Don't you scream at me like that again. Oh, baby, I was only frightened. Oh, so was I. Mister! Hey, mister! Now, what is it? Well, look, would you give a couple of dopey kids that don't know how to fix a radiator a push or a lift or something? <laughs> radiator trouble, huh? Yeah, yeah, and i got to get this car back or my pa's going to be awful sore at me. Yeah, I'll help you out. Well, the fella pushed us over toward the gas station... Only just before we got there, about 200 yards, I was in his car and I I saw the license plate come off. And I kind of the bumper knocked it. Hey, it's last year's license plate. You got last year's license plate. I... Hey, got this year's under it. Mister, maybe you better stop the car. Oh, what's the matter? Nothing. Just this... <laughs> had to split up. 
Because by the time he came out of it, he'd tell the gas station guy in Wakefield at the bank and the cops would be coming. Here, Aggie. Take the money. No. Go ahead, take it. You know the way I told you to go. Just the way I told you. Now, you do that. Let's go back. You crazy? Now, you do what I told you. Do just what I told you. And get that money to Pa. I might not get back for a day or so, but you know where I'll meet you. Like we fixed. It didn't work out. Now, you do it, I tell you. You do it. First, I went into the middle part of town there. And I got on a bus. I went about... 12 or 13 miles on the bus, and then I got out. I took another bus going the other way. And then I hitchhiked. I never took a long ride with anybody. I never said anything to them, just thanks for the ride or nice weather or crops are coming in good. Until I got to Collierville. I took a taxi there. Bought a hat and a sports jacket. Finally, the cab came back to Smithville. Took me a day and a half. I I got out of the cab and started going home. Walking down the street. Hey, Clint! Hey, Clint! It was George Torben. A cop in Smithville. Hold it a minute. What's your hurry? Pretty funny, huh? All the way from Collierville in the taxi. Look, George, I I gotta go home. My, my father's waiting for me. What have you got uh, there I... in the bag? Well, I'm just off the job. Look, I, I gotta go home, George. I, I ain't been home in a day. Yeah, I know. You've been away. Come on, let me have the bag. Hey, don't grab Come me. on, kid. Now, don't get tough, please, eh? Make me do something I'll be sorry about. Okay, George. Here. Mm, we better go down and see the sheriff. Wakefield said it was $2,200. Hope it's all there because it'll be a lot easier for you that way. You stuck him up, huh? I didn't get very far. Why does a guy who doesn't know a thing about it try one of the toughest things there is? Stick up a bank. Why? George. George, you've been to my house. You've been inside. You've seen what happens. I ask you, why? We will return to our files in just a moment. Labor Day weekend is moving time for a majority of American vacationers. Everyone is packing summer clothes into the car and heading home. You can be sure that the roads will be jammed. Driving will be slow and hazardous. So use extreme care with your driving. Don't get impatient and step on the gas. Don't try to nose out the other fellow. Don't jockey in and out of heavy traffic. Be careful. Remember, the life you save may be your own. Now back to the true story of Clinton Foster, prison number S11623-9, the man who is up for parole. A man walks into a bank in broad daylight with a hat over his eyes in a town where he's well known. A town of 600 people. I suppose you know it's about the most amateurish crime I guess any of us ever listened to. Yes, sir, I suppose so, but... I was desperate. I had to do it. That's what this board wants to hear. What desperation drove you to such an act? What do you want me to say? The way things were going, the, the squeeze that was on us. We were always poor. 
some folks will, will take the miles of the shareovers down a ways. They weren't doing good neither, but they'd go up and down. Sometimes they had money, sometimes they didn't, but we were poor all the time. We'd wear the same clothes, eat the same food, get a new suit of overalls maybe every two years. And all I could get was odd jobs. A little painting now and then, a little field hand work, but nothing steady, nothing regular. And Ma was washing other folks' clothes. And then... And Pa got it. Got what, Clint? Oh, he was making liquor in a still up in the woods and thinking he was getting away with it to make a few dollars to make it easier for Ma and me. <laughs> he got away with it all right. Thirty days in the county lockup and a $50 fine. But when he came out, it took 60 days on account of we could only pay $20 of the fine and down there it's a dollar or a day in jail. When he come out... He was in bad shape. Rub it slow, son. Easy. There's a place in my back where there's damp cells that ain't never going to get warm. Keep rubbing, son. And with all that, there was always a leak in the roof. The sink never worked for more than two days in a row. And if you didn't watch a step, you'd break your neck walking down the back stairs. And painting? I was pretty good at it. But there wasn't none around. Just none around. So you couldn't get a job. Well, Clint, that was true of a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Only Ma hadn't been able to work for about two or three weeks, and I kind of her hands had been in the washtub so much they'd gotten sore. And the skin was all broken and... Well, she had to stop for a while. Even when she was working, it was only seven or eight dollars a week anyway. And now we were going on two months behind on the rent. The furniture company came and took away the sofa. And then Pa did what... Well, it was a pretty stupid thing. He went and got himself a job picking tobacco in the fields. It lasted four days. Get me a drink, Clint. Get me a drink. Pa, you can't drink in a hospital. Get me a drink, son. What they don't know, what's the difference? Oh, you're smart, real smart, Pa. Taking a job you know you can't do, working in the sun, bending over, picking up heavy loads. So you end up in the hospital. Now we got the doctor's bill and the ambulance to get you here. Why couldn't you just stay in your bed and do nothing? I was trying, son. Man's got to try for his family. Now get me a drink. Just try and get me a drink, and I'll be better. He got so the pain there was so bad that if the pain wasn't liquored up, he'd cry like a baby. And I went around everywhere. I went to stores, factories, farms, road gangs, anything. I did a little of everything. Five dollars here, two dollars there. But it wasn't enough. It didn't work. It couldn't work. I didn't make enough. Clinton, the man said he'd give us a week. If we don't have it in a week, we're going to be on the street. Ma, when did you talk to him? I got a letter from my sister. I thought maybe if we had to, we'd go down there. I know you and your pa don't like her and all that. But I thought if they throw us out, 
We'll go down there. No, Ma. No, we're not going there. I'm going to take the job. I don't care. I'm going to take the job. What job? Never mind. It was a job I never told Ma about her pa. I mentioned it once, just once to Aggie. And Aggie said what I knew she'd say. You know what happened to Jeff Post. Haven't you got any brains? Well, it doesn't happen to them all. No. Who doesn't it happen to? Only the ones who had brains enough to stop after two or three months. I'm telling you, it doesn't have to be like that, Aggie, if you're careful and do it right. If you don't hit a bump and if you don't have to put the brakes on and no fool driver ever drives across your path, how are you going to stop that? Oh, look, you saw my pa, Aggie. You saw him yesterday. You know what Ma looks like. How are we ever going to get married unless I take some chances? Sure. Sure, I'm going to marry you. I'm going to be your ever-loving wife married to a man with his face burnt or paralyzed like Jeff Post. Well, Jim Lathrop's been working there near a year. It don't have to be like that. Maybe, maybe we'll be lucky like Jim. When were you ever lucky? And what happened to Willie Lathrop? But I took the job. That was a job with a trucking company. Yes, sir. The one that hauled the... Yes, sir. The soup. Nitroglycerin. The day I went to work, the first day I was coming to the office to report to the supervisor, Aggie came with me. I don't care what you say. You're not going to do it. My mind's made up. Clint, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. What did you have to come for? Go on back to the store. But if I never have anything in my life, I'm not going to let you do it. Oh, there's Hauser, the superintendent. Hey. Hey, Mr. Hauser. What's the matter with him? Hey, hey, Mr. Hauser. I, I told you if I'd be I here. Could quit, if I, I could just quit if I knew another way to take care of the family and kids, keep the house. Oh, up. what's the matter? Huh? Oh, it's you. What are you coming to work for? Well, you, you told me. Maybe I better tell you. Three miles down the road, 15 minutes ago, Jim Lathrop, he ain't driving no more. There ain't even enough of him around to put in a soup spoon. was when I went to the bank to get the loan, if they'd give it to me, or do what I did if, if they didn't. Well, when they didn't, I robbed the bank. So that's the story, and I guess there's no more to say. Crime and the reason for crime and the fact of having served time, these things are gone by us now. Clint, if there's nothing else you want to say, this board's ready to make its decision. Well, I told you everything, sir. Well, then you may step outside into the next room. We'll call you when we're ready. While Clinton Foster waits and the parole board reviews his story, you too have a decision to make. In a moment, you will have an opportunity to compare your decision with that of the actual parole board before which he appeared. Two of your favorite musical programs will return to the air this Sunday afternoon over most of these same CBS stations. That brilliant singing group, the Coraliers, will be back with more stirring songs conducted by Eugene Lowell. And Michelle Piastro will direct the Symphonette, a hand-picked ensemble of the country's leading instrumentalists in light symphonic music. 
you're sure to enjoy the fine musical fare offered by the Coraliers and the Symphonette. So tune in this Sunday afternoon for the first in the new fall series by these two grand musical organizations. Now the decision of the parole board in the case of Clinton Foster, prison number S11623-9, the man who is up for parole. Clinton Foster, this board has considered your story with great interest. And, I might add, considered sympathy. Your family's well known in the county. It's a good family. A hard luck family, maybe, but a, a good family. Well, thank you, sir. Now, the situation that you described that sent you into crime, the desperation, the need to solve your own private life and the life of your family, what is that situation today? Well, I, I don't know exactly how work is now, but I guess it's about the same. Your father's illness has advanced. You can't work at all. And your mother, I believe the diagnosis was arthritis. That's right, sir. And how's your family getting along? How's your family lived during the time you've been in prison? Well, they, they lived on relief. And you've tried to help? Oh, I couldn't do much. What could I do? Well, this board looks at small matters where they're symptomatic of real change of attitude. Now, you earned, according to the strict letter of the law of this state, five cents an hour for your labor. In the time of your imprisonment, you earned the sum of $465. I never figured it out, but I guess that's so. This board notes with great interest that you sent that money to your father, to your mother. You never spent a cent of it. And you told them to use it as they best saw fit. You know what they did with it? Why, yes, sir. First, they paid back the bank, and I kind of Aggie and I had spent $300 of the bank's money before they caught up with us. Our field officers reported that they've paid the bank back $175. I think that shows the kind of people they are. The kind of people your parents are. Well, I... I wish I'd been able to pay the whole thing back. Clinton Foster... Life for you is still going to be hard. To take care of your family and maybe someday to settle down and marry Aggie as you want to will be hard. Things are going to be tough, like your life has always been. Yes, sir. Well, I, I don't expect anything different. How do we know that faced with the same problem you were faced with before, you won't do what you did again? Oh, I... I wouldn't do it again on account of what I did didn't work. On account of... If you want to solve your problems, you, you got to go ahead and do it. Not no... No shortcuts. Not no... No finding a thousand dollars laying in the road. Not no easy answer sticking up a bank. I learned that. This board thinks you have. We want to give you another chance under the strictest, closest supervision to find out whether you've really learned that lesson. This board is sending you out to a hard, bitter life. But a life we think will be decent and will be sensible. Parole granted. Next case. Foster may be your neighbor. 
your friend or the sign painter you watched doing a billboard along a highway as you sped by. For Clinton Foster, given his second chance, settled as best he could his family's affairs. His father died. He married Agnes under parole permission. And together they have tried to make for themselves a decent, useful place in their community. His story was presented on behalf of the thousands of other prisoners within our penal institutions who, like him, may someday be up for parole. You've been listening to Up for Parole with Michael O'Day as Clinton Foster and Terry Keene as his girl Aggie. Written by Arnold Pearl and produced and directed by Mitchell Grayson. Music was under the direction of Harry Salter. The authentic material for this broadcast was supplied by the National Probation and Parole Association, the nationwide nonprofit agency working to protect the public through effective probation and parole. The preceding program was transcribed in New York. Next Friday, Up for Parole will reach you at a new time. Consult your local paper. <laughs> A-D-D-R-E-S-S-I-S-C-B-S The star's address is CBS This is CBS, where you find songs for sale every Friday night on the Columbia Broadcasting System. (laughs) 